indeed is great, and we are grateful. We thank the Lord Jesus for his goodness to us. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus tonight, and welcome each and every one. Pray God will bless you, and bless those that have joined with us on the internet. Pray that God will just meet every need. Amen. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand.
Hallelujah. In this changing world, it's good to hold on to God's unchanging hand. Steadfast and sure. Amen. Let's uh, sing, Touching Jesus is all that really matters. And we'll go to prayer. We have a special tonight and a baby dedication. And Brother Mike Ray is going to speak with us, speak for us this evening. We're looking forward to that again. Amen. Brother Tim, I will ask you to come and lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Touching Jesus is all here tonight. Brother Ernie Villanueva has asked us to remember uh, Brother Samuel Dale from Georgia and his assembly. They've been battling the COVID virus for some time now, so we just, uh, some have been in hospital, and that is including Brother Samuel. He's been in the hospital for five days with COVID and pneumonia. Just want to bring that before the Lord and the different assemblies that have been affected by this. And he also uh, <clears throat> writes here, Brother Simon Peter Sasse has a large assembly in New York City. They have found a building they want to purchase and are asking that God will give them favor with the bank to complete the sale. So we just remember that. And the Florent family is also requesting prayer for Sister Judy's brother Compton. Compton? Brother Compton been hospitalized for two months with complications after undergoing surgery for an ulcerated stomach. And they're just asking that the Lord will grant him healing in body and soul. So we just want to bring that before the Lord tonight and each and every need. Bless you, Brother Tim. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. If you have a need tonight, why don't you just hold that before the Lord, whether present or whether streaming. Heavenly Father, you are the all-knowing God that knows every need. And you are that great high priest that was manifested in flesh. Lord, you suffered that you might be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And Lord, we are a needy people in these mortal bodies. And as, as the end time draws near, it was just reading how your prophet 
was declaring how the hybriding of science and all of that has made these bodies so weak. That, Lord, we need you, but you knew that we would need you. Lord, you provided an atonement at Calvary. You made a way, Lord, that we could touch the hem of your garment by faith and receive virtue for these mortal bodies. And, Lord, for everyone that is in need, Brother Samuel Dale's church, I heard of the Millsaps, Brother Tommy, Sister Wanda. Lord, they're battling, oh God, with with this COVID afflicting these bodies. A new virus in the world, Lord. But you knew it would be here. You knew, Lord, we would struggle with it. But, Lord, you already provided a way for by your stripes we are healed. These people are believers. They've asked for prayer. We are praying for them. May your sweet spirit just sweep through that place, Lord. May it drive back the enemy. Each and every one, I think of this relative of the Florence, oh God. Father, how you touch Brother Milko and his stomach. And you gave him healing. You can touch this man. Lord, you can deliver him, O God. We pray that the same healer that touched Milko would touch this man. Lord, not only in his body, but may he know that there is a living God. And may he fully surrender himself unto you. Brother Simon Peter, we know him, Lord. And Father, you know him more than even we do. Lord, they're desiring a place of worship that would be stable, that they could purchase with their funds. Lord, we pray that you'll bless them. Give him, give them grace in the eyes of those with finances, oh God, that they might be able, Lord, to move forward in this, if it be your will, Father. We commit them into your hands. And now tonight, Lord, we just want to say we love you. We've gathered in, Lord. Gathered into this building, gathered into our homes, gathered into the places where we can sit and attentively hear your word. And so we pray that you would anoint Brother Michael. Lord, we're asking, Father, that you'll direct his thoughts. Lord, not according to just what he has studied. Lord, I'm sure he has labored. He has grounded himself in the word. He has laid himself in your presence to try and catch your mind. But now, Lord, we must have you come on the scene for the words of a man will fail, but your words will never fail. Speak to us once again, Lord. Minister to our hearts. Draw us nearer to you. Draw us nearer to the atonement, O God. Draw us nearer to your grace, your blessings, Lord. Your mercies, we pray. As we give ourselves to you, we give this service to you. Bless every part of it, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. have your seats this evening. Um, just ask Sister Jessica and the group that's going to sing, just come and get ready. And maybe while they're coming, maybe we can sing, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's not too busy. Yeah. 
I've been held by your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. So, so good 
so much. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We're sure thankful for that. We're going to have the uh, baby dedication now. and pray that we're going to ask that Brother Stephen Walter bring his parents up so he can get dedicated. <laughs> Amen. Let's sing Jesus Loves the Little Children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, men and hell, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. loves the little children and loves the big children. Amen. You want to come a little closer? This is Brother Stephen Cyrus Waldner. It's going to be dedicated tonight and his parents are Brother John and Sister Victoria Waldner. And we're so happy to have uh, both of the grandparents here tonight. Brother Mike and Sister Helen Waldner are here and Brother John and Sister Sharon Andes. We're so happy to share this with the assembly and uh, be here tonight. Now, not to be on the light side right now, but uh, Brother Stephen has a great uncle, and he's Brother Joe Waldner, one of our senior deacons. And he was, he's always very clear to remind me that remember Brother John, always remember he is a Waldner and not an Andes. <laughs> and he reminded me of that tonight when we came into the church. So I'm always very uh, humble to say, yes, he's a Waldner. And not an Andes. Uh, Stephen was born uh, the Sunday, the first Sunday that our church could could not have Sunday services on March the 15th. And I remember that week, uh, the Wednesday night before and then the Friday when the ministers all met and, and they decided to not have service. And Brother Stephen was born that Sunday. And Stephen means a wreath. His name means a crown of glory and that he is a reward and that he's an honor. And the Lord confirmed this name separately to both uh, Brother John and Sister Victoria that that was to be his name. Now, Stephen was the first deacon in the book of Acts. And Stephen was also the first martyr in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, the Bible, when they were needing deacons in the church... The Bible says, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven uh, men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, 
a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 8 says, and Stephen full of power, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And in verse 15 of Acts 6, the Bible says, all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And so we pray that this Stephen would be a crown of glory and a reward uh, for the body of Christ. Now, I just want to address Brother Stephen for just a moment. Because sometimes in our lives as we serve the Lord, you would think everyone would respond great. And everyone would just be in agreement with you giving your life to the Lord, Stephen. But in the book of Acts, chapter 7, when Brother Stephen was speaking like preaching a sermon... The Bible says when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, this is the legacy and this is the testimony of Stephen preparing him for his life in Christ that you're not always going to be received well, even when you serve the Lord. And the Bible says Stephen saw the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice. This is the people stopping their ears and ran unto him. Remember, he was coming to be the first martyr and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now, it's kind of amazing at his baby dedication, I'd be speaking about his death or about the death of Stephen. But remember, even in Stephen's death, God was bringing Saul, which was to be the leader of the church, the first church age. And so even in his death, God was bringing out a a Paul, Saul, that was to be a Paul. But the Bible says, I want you to notice another characteristic of Stephen. They stoned Stephen. Calling upon God, Stephen was calling on God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So even in Stephen's death, he was asking forgiveness of his killers. And I thought, what a characteristic of Stephen that uh, when people were hating him and taking his life, the first martyr that he said, lay not their sin, the sin to their charge. And then he just fell asleep. Now, Brother Stephen's middle name is Cyrus. And um, that means supreme power and a hero. And some of you might not know this, but uh, when uh, Brother John and Sister Victoria were having trouble conceiving a child, there was a scripture that spoke to Victoria and Isaiah. And she said, if I ever are, am to have a son, I want this to be his middle name, Cyrus. And Isaiah 45 verse 1 says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And I will go before thee and make the crooked paths straight. And I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in asunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden treasures of secret places that thou. And here's Brother Stephen's middle name, Cyrus, the anointed Cyrus, 
that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. May this Stephen Cyrus be anointed and may he know at a young age that the Lord is God. Amen. Amen. Brother Stephen. Now, Brother Stephen, just before we give you to Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, they said about Jesus that he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. And Brother Stephen, tonight I thought our hands are very fragile and weak and small, but placed into Jesus' hands, a life that's dedicated to Jesus and given over to him. What greater hands tonight for your health and for your protection and for the power of God and for a sound mind and for overcoming power. We place him into the hands of Jesus. Let's pray together. Our wonderful heavenly father. In this baby dedication tonight of Stephen Cyrus Waldner. From your hands of eternity. You have placed them into the life and the family of brother John and sister Victoria Waldner. And tonight. They are giving him back to you. From our small frail weak hands. We give Stephen, Cyrus, for the glory of God, back into your hands. That your health, your protection, your power, your, your spirit would cover his life. And as he has come from a rich families of heritage, of lives that have given their hearts to you, Even connecting today with his grandfather, Brother Michael Waldner. What a joy to have families that love you, Lord. So tonight, even after all of these months, this couple has waited. But tonight we give Stephen Cyrus back to you. That for the remainder of his life on earth, you would hold him close and hold him dear. Lord, we bless him tonight. We bless our brother Stephen. May he be a blessing to the assembly, to his family, and to every believer that he comes in contact with. We thank you, Lord, that we have him to, to give to you tonight. And we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother John. Sister Victoria, God bless you. God bless you. Maybe we can stand together. We'll call on our brother Michael to come and minister unto us. And could we sing that chorus? It's uh, He is here, hallelujah. He is here, amen. He is here, hallelujah. He is here.
sing that together once more. Oh, He is King. your name. What a precious moment that is when you're hearing your name being called. They say that's the sweetest thing that man can hear is your name or a woman can hear is your name. I want you tonight, if you can just think, Lord, I want to hear my name being called by you tonight. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, that's all that matters tonight if we can hear you calling. Calling out each individual name here tonight, Lord, for you're an individual God. Lord, that can meet specific, detailed needs of your people. Lord, those that are here, those that are listening in their homes, Lord, it doesn't matter the location. For Lord, you're all present God meeting the needs of your people no matter where they are, oh Lord. So we commit this service. Lord, your servant here at the desk, Lord, laying all that I am at thy feet. Lord, surrendering. Lord, we heard this song, Lord, you're so good. You're so faithful. Lord, one more time tonight, as Samson would have screamed out, Lord, just once more. As Brother Murphy spoke in the office, Lord, he just mentioned in prayer how many times prayer has been raised in that little room. Lord, my mind goes out to how many services. How many songs and praises and adorations and how many preaching services have come from this little building. But Lord, just one more time. Would you come and be present? We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can turn your in your Bibles. We're going to turn to Ephesians 2. Thank you, musicians. While you're turning there, I just want to make one little... Uh, Note for everybody, we are in cold and flu season and such, and so we would just ask that everybody be mindful. I know usually in the old times we would just knuckle down and come to church no matter what. A little bit different right now, we ask you to be a little more respectful. And uh, just with the current times, if you're sniffing and blowing the nose and all of that kind of thing, maybe maybe just hunker down at home for that night, all right? All right. We're going to turn to Ephesians 2, and we're going to start at verse 1. Very should be a scripture that everybody knows very well. Oh, I thought I'd even bookmark my spot with my notes, and here I did not. Stand by. Here, you're turning, and I'm not even turning. Here we are. 
And you had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Is that you and me? You hath he quickened who were dead. That was me. I'll personalize it. Wherein in times past he walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and where the nature and whereby nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Amen. We were dead. But God, who is rich in mercy, there was a a fulfillment. But Tim spoke on the atonement, and I just wrote down a little note. He just said, draw us nearer to your grace and your mercies. And I echo that prayer tonight, Brother Tim. That's what we'll try and speak on. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Amen. By grace are ye saved. Very important. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Again, verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. Amen? All right. Well, let's turn one, just do one more scripture in Romans 5 and 20. Moreover, the law... Entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. You may have your seats. Different set of notes here in front of me than maybe I have in the past. So pray, you pull, and we'll just pray the Lord this leads us. In the direction he desires. Amen. So I just want to speak a little bit. I want to, I just titled tonight, just grace abounding. Grace abounding. Amen. Where the law, scripture said, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Brother Branham, he spoke a number of messages on law and grace and so, so forth. And he took the message of grace and he spoke about, he took the scripture actually in, I believe, Zechariah, and he spoke about, he spoke about the headstone coming down and where it says, and he goes, I want you to notice when the headstone comes down, the prince that's going to cry out, the message will cry, grace, grace. For it's by grace we are saved that not of works, lest any man should boast, as we just read in the scripture. And the message of grace has been tramped under the feet of men until it's become a disgrace. So what Brother Brandon says, it's been tramped under the feet of men till it's become a disgrace. Some of them runs out onto eternal security. He said some runs out into everything, but the true message of grace remains the same. And there's where Satan tries to knock it out from the church. So Satan's trying to knock grace right out of the church. And so we're going to come against Satan tonight because that is a promise and something so precious because it's by grace that you're saved. If there was no grace, we're all dead. Alright? That's where Ephesians started. We're all dead in trespasses and sin, but it took grace for us to be saved. Amen? Through our faith in an atonement. Amen? 
So, but he said, but it's the grace of God that we're all saved. He said, you know, why would Satan try to knock that, as we've just even stated? Because it's such the epitome, such the core of a believer, of a Christian, amen? If he can pervert that or misrepresent grace, well, he's misrepresented the very place where you can be saved. Amen. So he's going to try and, and, and skew that and attack that, as he says. And so we're going to just talk about grace tonight. But... Satan, you know, he, he tries his level best. But I just love, so love scripture. John said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, Jesus speaking, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. <laughs> so truth will march on and Satan will do what he can and try to obstruct what he can and derail someone where he can and try and get them off of the faith. But it really doesn't matter what he doesn't know, or he should just read the same scriptures, that neither shall any man pluck anyone of his own out of his hand. Amen? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? So to speak of grace, I'm going to... This is a a topic that is so large and so vast, uh, um, I'll maybe cover a speck of dust uh, of, of the topic. And so help me. Uh, this is by no means a comprehensive, uh, message on grace, but, uh, to talk about grace, we'd have to go back and maybe go back all the way to the beginning and, uh, speak back where even grace, uh, back to Adam, back to Eve, and back to the very moments of time where God had created such a beautiful, a beautiful Eden. But there was that critical moment when Eve disobeyed and, and uh, listened to the serpent. And in a horrible moment of humanity, man, hum, human, man, man fell from grace. And he separated himself in a vast chasm because God had said, the day you eat thereof, the day you die. It's just, that was what, that's what God had stated. And so, unfortunately, at that moment, a chasm had been created and a death sentence was placed on man. And man couldn't redeem man. Right? Some other man, some other human couldn't come in and redeem, redeem man because man was the one that transgressed. So someone that has transgressed can't redeem the transgressor. And so here we are to stay, we're at a place where now there was an atonement was needed. And God came and as we know the story, shed the blood of a lamb as a, an atonement for that, for that moment in time that could cover that sin. It covered it. It do, did not take it away, but it covered it. You know, and right from that moment when man actually did this, did, sinned and, and Adam and Eve, but Abraham says, Adam, what, what was their first reaction was they... They ran and hid. They ran and hid. And they created their fig leaf apron, as as the scripture is stated, and you would all know very well what they did. But that was the first thing that man did. It was they ran and then tried to do something of their own. But Abraham says, in that, in that trying to do, he said, man began to achieve things, and we're just going past this, past the fall now into, into pre-flood. He said, when he did, he began to leave God out of the picture. 
And he began to have his selfish motives. And when he did that, he began to think of something of himself. And we find that it isn't long until after he had corrupted the very planet that God had put him on. And he had gotten such a condition until even his creator grieved at him at his heart that he had ever made man. So in such in a short period of time or a period of time from man's fall, it came to where a point where God even grieved that he even made man. And you can imagine how he felt when he seen the very creature that made that he made in his image give him dominion and how he made him to do something for him and he turned all of his strengths and power over to his selfish desire and achievements. And God wiped out that whole generation, that whole all of the earth, and started anew. So from that period of time, from Adam all the way then now we're gonna we're just skipping through some time up to Moses, there was no law. There was no law. It's Romans 5.13 states that. And I'll even read it for you. It says, For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there was no law. But Abraham says there was, there was, no, there was no law between Adam and Moses. And there, which I won't get into, but Abraham talks about Israel wanting, wanting law, wanting to, to they, didn't want, they didn't want God to speak to them directly. And it's a, but Abraham describes that incredible time where God was on the mountain and coming to, to give the law to Moses and the people were told them not to touch the mountain and Aaron was making sure they stayed back. And at that moment, they, but Abraham talks about them wanting, wanting, they wanted to do something. And so the law was, was created. And part of that, if we go back, the law back in Eden, they knew that an innocent substitute had to die for humanity, for, for the guilty. That was already laid and set down. God laid that, that law down at the very beginning. But, and I'll just step back. The people before, uh, Noah, but Abraham says the message was still preached to them. They still had a message preached to them. And he went and preached the souls that were in prison. They were, and this is Jesus that repented not in Noah's day. They had Enoch and all the rest of them in the pyramids and everything as they erected them and preached the Lord Jesus Christ to them. And they refused to accept it, being heady, high-minded, and refused to accept it. So they had a, they had their time. They had they had it preached to them. And then the law was then created post that time. And was and, and so the law was brought in place. You say, well, why was the law brought in? What was this? What was this for? Well, Brother Bram says, there's no law. There's no law in your town. For instance, there's a red light, and you ran the red light, and there was no law saying the red light is is wrong. Then you would have no clue that that was the wrong thing to do, All right? So if there was nothing stating this is this is right and this is wrong, then you wouldn't even know that there's a wrong there. Okay? Do you understand that? So if the law in this town says, well, you can't run a red. Or you're gonna, you know, have a fine of a hundred, or you, you can't talk in your phone. There was a time when talking in your phone was okay. But then a law came into play and says it ain't okay. Right? And so suddenly now, the sin was magnified. Right? And it wasn't a big deal, but suddenly it's wrong to do that and you're gonna get points and a big fine, etc. And it's a big deal. And so that error, or that sin, or the transgression just suddenly became huge. In fact, they magnified it so large it's even worse than drunk driving. Right? And it's a very hard one to not do. As in texting and driving or on the phone, right? So anyway, so that, so that is how what the law, it, it magnified the sin. Okay? 
So the law brought forth wrath. It brought sin into view, but Abraham says, see, he goes, they did all those things back under or prior. He says, before the law, there wasn't sin because there was no law to say that it was sin. So God said down the law, he added to show us that there's things, different things were sin. He said it magnified the sin. All right. So this is last what the law came in and magnified what was wrong. Sin was made manifest. But when the law came in, it made man realize he can't steal, he can't lie, he can't commit adultery, and all these different commandments, and the commandments just magnified it. But the law didn't take away sin. Okay, the law didn't take away sin. It only brought a man to know that it was sin. Okay? So that's all the law did. It didn't, but it did not take it away. They could do all the different aspects of the law, and they could bring a lamb, they could bring it for their atonement, but it didn't take away their sin. It only covered it. It couldn't admit it. It couldn't take away desire. It, it couldn't do any of that. It just covered that. Just covered that for a, for that moment. Because what if we took the law? This was Peter, Brother Brown talking about Peter. There's no flesh justified by the law. Moses represented the law. There's no salvation. The law has no salvation. It's a policeman. The law brings you under condemnation. It puts you in jail, and it has nothing to bring you out. Okay, the law had nothing to bring you out. It said you're wrong. This is you transgress here. Your your death. You do this. This you're in, this is a problem. And you cross this line here. You transgress here. It's death. That's all the law did. But nothing to pull you out. Okay, Romans three twenty says therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Now, the law was the law was works. What they could do. I, I, I did this and then I did that and they, there were certain things they had to do. It was something they did. But it, scripture said, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law, it is the knowledge of sin. Amplified says, for no person will be justified or freed of guilt and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. For through the law, we become conscious of sin and the recognition of sin direct, of sin directs us toward repentance, but provides no remedy. For sin, so here man was in this state. Now they were the sin was magnified. The errors were magnified, or where they were, where where they could go, where they were going wrong was magnified. But there was no way for them to omit the sin. That wouldn't have been a time I would have wanted. That would have been a d- difficult time. I, I thought about it if if they were. If someone transgressed the law and they did, they lied, they stealed, they murdered, they did something horrible, and they went and, and made an atonement for that, the, the desire for that was still there, right? When you get saved, and we'll get we'll get over there, and God's life comes into you, amen, and He you become a new creation, the desire is gone. The desire leaves. They didn't have that. They did. The desire was still there. Butterbound talks about it multiple multiple times, and I, I didn't have the uh, I didn't wasn't able to grab the exact scripture. I believe it was in Hebrews, but it it uh, mentioned where if someone did uh, transgress the law, they did something, brought the atonement for that. And they transgressed the same sin in the same in that same year, they were stoned. 
for, because it was already on record, but Abraham talks about being on record that they, if they had done that again twice in the same year, you couldn't have a double atoning of a, of a lamb that same year. Very, uh, it was, it's in Hebrews. I will read it for you. Hebrews 10 said, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And better Branham refers to this, Oh, how much sore punishment suppose ye that ye should be thought worthy, who hath trodden under the foot of the Son of God, and who hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. And he talks about that scripture. He talks about someone in the law doing transgressing twice the same sin in the, in the same year after they've already had a brought, a, brought a lamb and an offering for that. What a time that would have been to live in. A man, Brother Branham says, trying always in his own way, how can I make my way back? He knew he was lost. He knows he's lost. He said, surely, I wrote down, surely there's something, as man would be thinking, is there something I can do? Man being in the maiden body, spirit, soul, he said he gives him something inside of him, makes him want to achieve. Brother Branham saying, God put that in man, trying to achieve. But he goes, he's trying to do something to save himself he wants to get out of it. He wants to do it himself. He wants to make his own way about it. So there's something man is constantly trying to do. I got to do myself. He recognizes he's lost, but there's something he's got to do himself to get out of it. He's tried many achievements. He's tried through science. He's tried time. He moves through science. He destroys himself. Every time science makes something, he destroys himself. Gunpowder, atomic energy, etc. He talks about that in God's workshop. And it's something he perverts what God made and he put his own ideas into it and make it up. All right, so man knows he's come from, he, he knows he's got to find his way back. He Somehow he knew, he, he knows he's lost his way, but he's trying to find a way back. But the first man, Adam, started the same pattern. As we said, he tried to do his own thing, create little fig leaf uh, aprons, and trying to make his own way back on his own merits and on his own, own abilities. He just can't get back because the penalty, Brother Brown says, is death. And something has to die to pay the penalty. So it can only be substitute, substitutionary. Or we're all in death if it wasn't a substitute for us to hold on to. A man is doing this, realize that he needs something to hold on to. Something he can put his hands on. Something he can say, this is it. This is exactly what I need. I got it. I know it's it. So Adam, to hold on to something, made his fig leaves. And he found that, that what he had in his hand didn't work didn't work. And I wonder how many. Scripture says, not of works lest any man should boast. Because then it would make the sacrifices not effect. How, how often, right now, I mean, right now, so boasting is very easy to do because there's so many platforms at which people can boast on what their works and what their merits are and what they do. And you can, you can post every status update every two seconds of, of who you are, what you are, why you are, how you are, everything you want, want to express. You can give all your pop, everything you know on your LinkedIn and how amazing you are and all of your merits and, and all of your, your, your good things that, that uh, you've been able to do. But it's not of merit. That, all of that has has no effect on your way to get back across the chasm that was created Amen. back in Eden. Amen. 
And if worked didn't work then, works don't work now. Right? Okay? Hebrews 10.1 says, For the law having a shout of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. There was, there's no way. There's no way that the sacrifices that they offered could never make the comers thereunto perfect. And, and neither will any of our works or anything that we do or any of our merits make us perfect. Amen. Nothing. Amen. And the Bible said the law could never, with its sacrifices, the law could never with the sacrifices make the comer perfect. The law could not perfect anything. It was only a pointer. These sacrifices made every year could never make the worshiper perfect. So therefore, no one under the law or keeping of the laws or under the shadows could be perfect. And Brother Brown says, even after 4,000, yes, nearly 6,000 years, which is where we're at, man's still trying to cover his own sins by his merits. Still trying to cover his sins by his merits. What a state humanity is in Trying, knowing, knowing there's a chasm, knowing something's wrong, knowing there's something I need to do. There, there's, there, they know there's something missing. They're not perfect. Man knows that, but yet they're striving on their own merits to try and cover that or trying to make that, make up that gap. And they'll never cover their sin by their own merits. I was just imagining the achievements of man. The achievements of man, when you look through history and all of the grand achievements, and I just thought of them about, thought of them if they came before and we had, we had a court in session and we would bring the achievements of man before the courtroom, before judgment. And I just thought of the different achievements and I was just looking at it and I said, if court was in session and we had someone come up, and they stood there. They said, you've been found guilty of sin, and the sentence is death. And what do you have to say in your defense? And do you have any witnesses you'd like to call up before the court, before judgment? And I just imagined if someone, and we just think through this illustration, if they stood there and said, well, I created the most priceless, priceless paintings known to man, they sit in museums. I, I painted chapels and churches and cathedrals, uh, artworks that 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 man uh, spend millions and millions and millions, if you know, dollars on, and I contributed that uh, to to humanity. And and this is a great thing. This is a great thing. All right. And do you have any witnesses to it? You know, beyond that you would like to do and they could call up different ones of testing. Absolutely, I've, I've seen it. And it's now sitting in museums. I've seen it and in its great works of man. None, none can, can compare to, to these things uh, that have been done over, over time. All right. Well, I'm sorry. But that, that doesn't meet the atonement. And you're condemned. And off they went. I thought, well, next person, next one comes up. All right. You've been found guilty of sin, and your sentence is death. What do you have to say in your defense? Well, we've created an improved civilization. 
We've created democracy, human rights. We've abolished slavery. We, we, have, we have contributed to the, the civilization, civilization of man in such incredible ways that have impacted countries. And we, we've, uh, we've taken away you know, cruelty of dictatorships. And we've, we've tried to improve mankind and helped people and, and, and that were in horrible situations. And, and this is what we've done into in, in civilization. Impact to civilization. Hundreds of years and thousands of years of now... Now, you know, we've been a part of these, whether it's in different ones in politics, and we've, we've improved the world in these ways. All right. Is that, is that, is that all you have? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sorry, that's not, it's not enough. You're condemned. All right. Next one came up. You've been, Charged and found guilty of sin. What do you have to say in your defense? Well, we've put a man on the moon. I mean, we've improved science. We've, uh, you know, we've we've explored. We, we've conquered Everest. I mean, we have we have we have gone to the ends of the earth and and, and sought out all the different areas that this the planet has. Uh huh. Okay. Well, anything more than that? Anything more than that? Well, you know, we've uh, you know we've we've done other things. We, we've given charity. We've given to the poor. We've helped the sick. No, that's not enough. We can just keep going to the different ones. Well, oh, we've 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 spent my life with music, and and uh, and we've we've created you know beautiful, wondrous things that people have heard, and and uh, oh, we've we've done computers, or how about the internet? And we could go over and over and over merits and achievements of man. Merits and achievements. We've we've created vaccines and we've 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 helped the sick and and, and conquered different illnesses and and, and, and cures and, and infection. We 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 brought different uh, vaccines for infections that have, have stopped humanity from dying. Hundreds and thousands of people have been stopped from from dying. Mm-hmm. All right. And that anything else? Well, I went to church. I paid my tithes. I sang songs. I held a position in a church. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Is that it? Anything else? No. No. For you're condemned. None of these achievements of man are going to do you any good. And I just thought of one last one that would come in. You've been found guilty of sin. And your sentence is death. What do you have to say in your defense? I was just so moved in my my mind, in my heart. As if one would come and kneel before the judge and just say, I'm guilty. Nothing in my hands I bring, but humbly to the cross I claim. It says, do you have any witnesses? No. And as the songwriter wrote a song, mercy walked in. And pleaded my case. 
And the songwriter says he called her to stand God's saving grace. The blood was presented. Said he claimed the blood. He claimed the atonement at Calvary. He stood for me. And I'll stand for him. That's the one I want to be. I don't want to be standing on my merits. I don't want to say, well, I did this. And I went to church and I did all that. I want to sit before that. I want to be able to stand and say nothing. Nothing. Only Calvary's cross do I cling to. And mercy can come in and say, oh, it's grace. It's by grace are you saved. Nothing you did, nothing that you achieved, but the grace of Almighty God came down and said, why? I have unmerited favor. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. Completely undeserved. Nothing that I could do. But God said, you know what? I chose you. I chose you. Long before the earth even was thought of, I chose you. Because I know you would respond to me. I know you would hear my cry. You'd respond to Calvary. And by grace, are you saved? Nothing you do, but my blood atones for you. And you are not condemned, but you are eternally living with me. That's grace. Nothing you can do. Unmerited favor. Totally undeserving. You did nothing. You did zero. Because if you could, like I said, then it would totally obliterate why God even needed to come. Because there is something you could have done. There's nothing you can do. Nothing I can do. And it's grace then that saves us. Through our faith on Calvary's atonement. Amen. That's exactly what that woman caught in the very act. I want you to think about that. Caught in the very act. And thrown at Jesus' feet. The Pharisees trying to catch God, Jesus Christ. And he's there kneeling on the ground. People, you know, they all wonder what he was doing. And here this woman has now been thrown right in front of her. She's caught in the very act of adultery. And he just sits there. And it's quiet. They got their stones ready. I mean, they're ready to kill her. Right then and there. That would have been a tense moment. The crowds would have been yelling and screaming. Throwing it before to try and catch Jesus. And he's just there. and Just, just drawing. Just put any of us there. Just put any of us there. Thrown before. For Jesus. Here. Because we've all sinned. Caught in the very act. We don't need some man or somebody to come and catch us. God can see everything we do. He see everything you do. And just, he's your throne right before. And he's just sitting there. What are you going to do? He who has the, who has no sin, cast the stone. Well, they weren't expecting that. Well, they knew they had sin. Oh, they did. Because the atonement was only covering. It didn't take away sin. The law, I should say. And they filled her away. Not one of them could throw a stone. And the grace of God extended to that little sister right there. That's grace. Amen. That's grace. Amen. Amen. So why me? It's grace. 
It's great. But there's something I should, something I did, something. No, no, no. It's grace. It's his grace. It was grace that called Abraham and called him out of the land of Ur. Why Abraham? Grace. It was grace. Scripture says the first time grace shows up is when and Noah found favor. And grace in the eyes of the sight of the Lord. That's the first time grace. Why Noah? Grace. Why Dan? Grace. Why Margaret? Grace. Amen. It's grace. God's amazing grace. Amen. Let's just go back to the little courtroom here. But Abraham says, but in this case, the judge himself becomes our attorney. God became man. There was no attorney that could do it. We couldn't find one. Moses, the law, the prophets, nothing could do it. So the judge became both jury, attorney, and judge. He took it all. He was mercy. He was grace. He was his blood on the, on the, uh, on the altar. It was him. And that judge came off. He was jury. He, he pled your case. He took the, he took the blow of sin. He was everything. Amen. And he took the justice of his law in his own hands. He paid the price of it himself. How much more secure could we be and send his own life back upon us as a witness that he accepted it? How safely. <laughs> how safely he says yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death he says I will fear no evil when he becomes both judge and jury and attorney he pleaded our case we found guilty by his own law and he come and took the guilty person's place that was found that was in the sanctuary he took the sin he took it upon himself and died paid the price and shed his blood and give back his own token his own life That's grace. He says the case is dismissed. Amen. There's no more sin to the believer. He says, oh God have mercy. If the people can't see that, there's no more case. There's no more case. My goodness, I thought of this song and I was going to, I really wanted to sing it. Jesus dropped the charges. Oh man, I I was like, okay, is there enough people that know Jesus dropped the charges? I'm sure there is, amen? He pleaded my case, amen? At Calvary, I heard him say, case dismissed, saved by, yes, amen, saved by grace, amen, and dropped all my charges in the sea of his forgetfulness, amen? That's, That's the grace of Almighty God, amen. Grace stepped in. That's where the scripture in Romans 5, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound where sin abounded, but grace did much more abound. It didn't leave anything. It wasn't something left on the side. Something it missed. Not one thing was missed. The perfect lamb fulfilled all of the law requirements of the law. Amen. And grace covers all our sin. Now, Paul says, well, let's just flip the verse over. He says, well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? There's <laughs> so much grace. Well, then we could do whatever we want. Paul answers that real quickly for you. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin... Live any longer therein. Scripture. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. 
Amen? So no, I'm sorry. Brother Branham says, why? If it be so, Brother Branham, well, I, then I can just do anything I want to do. He said, I, that's right. Sure. Do anything you want to. If it's evil in your heart, then you've never been to Calvary. That's one thing for sure. Here we go. If there's evil in your heart, you've never been to Calvary. Because if you have, you don't have nothing in your heart that even wants to transgress against a God that has that much grace for you. Amen. He said there's a new spirit in there, not the spirit of a lamb, nor the spirit of William Branham. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ that makes me love the unlovable and makes me do the things that I never thought I'd do. It's him. Amen. So no, you're not going to, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, because you're dead to it. You're dead to that life. And a new life is inside of you. Amen? So we'll just cover that one right quick so that that, uh, you know that that is not even on the table. Paul did right away too. Amen. Now, you know, some, I, I've talked different, a couple different times and People have, would maybe express, well, you know, my needs is too complicated. You know, it's just, it's just not enough. Uh, you know, I have a big need. It's too, you know, I don't know, is God too big enough or too strong? He's not too strong enough for the situation. In their mind, they, they, you bring your situation or your your trial or whichever, and it becomes huge. So I know I just I don't you know I don't know if God can even really meet meet my need. And I, you know I wonder if there if a God can have that much grace for sinners such as I, and for what we just taught this little little sister that was caught in the very act. That would have to take a really big God. A really big God. And sometimes we bring God and we render Him down. Oh, that's, it's His amazing grace. And, 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 and I think we maybe render God down, you know, a little errand boy in our prayers. Lord, can you do this and can you do that? And I need you to do this and I have this do. Or maybe He's just a, maybe kind of like a little grandpa in your eyes. But I think we need to expand who we're really talking about. Who are we really talking about? That can meet every one of your needs. Scripture said, Paul was saying in in uh, 2 Corinthians, and he talks about a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed to God, don't take this away. He buffeted, Satan would come and buffet him. But Abraham talks about him, him being healed and then it coming back. And being healed and coming back. And he, he, would, he prayed three times. But God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter your situation. God's grace is sufficient for you. Amen. And I want to take you on a little journey. Lord, help me. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to just try and take a few moments out of the service just to try and get you to understand how great, how magnificent, how inexplainable and expressible our God is. Because it might then help you understand how He can have such grace 
that can cover and meet and deal with every one of your situations or how low you might think you are or how complex you think your situation is or whichever. We serve an incredible God. And so I will try. And some of you, I I took this from another gentleman that has done a a, a clip on this or he spoke on this. And I'm going to try and just take a little bit of what he says. I'm not trying to replicate it. I'm just trying to take what he said because it is incredible. And so if you want to know where it even came from, you could talk to me after. But some of these facts just were so mind-boggling and mind-blowing that can help you maybe in some small way understand how great our God is and his vastness and in his greatness and in his awesomeness. Because it's this God that can reach really low. And you can sing this song, when he reached down his hand for me, it's because this God, our God, is this great. All right? Scripture says in Psalms, and you can bring up the first slide. For the word of the Lord is right, and his works are done in truth. His loving right, his loveth, he loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Alright, so this is a scripture. What you're gonna see was made by the breath of God. The host of them, the heavens were made by the breath. And you can bring and put out your breath as you go through this and just go, and I want to see what you do and what is created or what, what happens. Because what we're going to see is what happened when God went. Just think about this. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the hands of the world stand in awe of him. We're going to start a little bit of a journey through our little solar system. And I want you just to see the breath, what breath created from our God. Because here we have, we have the sun. And like I said, I'm not replicating or trying to take this from, from the uh, fellow that did it. He, he, the way he does it is incredible. And like I said, you can ask me where it came from because it's, it's just absolutely amazing. But here's our sun. And our sun is 93 million miles away. And it is one million times the size of our earth. All right, and just so we get a little bit of little bit of math when we talk about distances and time, because we're going to get to some very big numbers here very quickly. We're going to deal with light years, and you might have heard what a light year is, but just so you know, that's about 5.88 trillion miles, rounded up to six if you want to. But that is the measuring stick we'll deal with tonight. Okay, 5.88 million miles one equals one light year, which is 186,000 miles per second is what the speed of light is. So when we're traveling through this, remember God's breath breathed and in this fast things were happening because it's moving at a speed unattainable to our minds. So God's ruler is the light year that we'll deal with tonight, 5.88 trillion miles. All right. So the sun, it's... uh the only star in our little system here is 93 million miles away, and it's about 1 million times the size of our little Earth. All right? And just for the, and for the sake of demonstration, because the fellow that did it did it such good, he brought out a wonderful golf ball, which I brought out because it helps you understand. Because if the Earth was a golf ball, he says, this sun would be 15 feet in diameter. All right? So if this was a golf ball, this was the Earth, 
and here's this is about 16 feet. So that's that's kind of comparison, just so you get it. This is the Earth. The size of the or the Sun is essentially the width of the screen and beyond. So that's a little comparison for you. Is the little golf ball the, through the course of this next few moments? The golf ball's Earth. All right. And it's one of about a billion or so stars. So this is the sun. It's, it's, he's nestled right in the middle of our solar system, and we all rotate around this fellow, right? And we could put 966,000 of these golf balls inside the sun. If this was the Earth, we could put 966,000 of them inside that sun. That's how much you would need to, uh, to fill it. And that's about enough golf balls to fill a bus. Okay, so we could fit enough golf balls inside the sun equal to how, uh, equal to fill a school bus. All right, so that's our little sun. So that's just the start, okay? So, but that's the tiny star. We're going to go a little bit beyond, and we bring up a different a different star called this one. Now, there's a couple of pronunciations. Most people call it Betelgeuse, apparently, or Betelgeuse. But anyways, it's easier to say Betelgeuse. This is the next. This is actually one of the. Uh, there's some. A couple mixed ideas on how far away it is. Because it gets so far, it's hard to measure. Because it's 642 light years away uh, times 5.88 trillion. So we're, we're way out there. That's how far it is to get there. But it's, it's not just... Uh, it's twice the size of Earth's orbit. Which if I drop that into where the sun is, and we look at that star there, it would actually... Hit, or It would reach out to Jupiter's orbit. Okay, so instead of the sun, and you know we have, you know, Mercury and all these different planets and they orbit around the sun. If we drop this star where our sun is, it would blow all the planets out and it would sit from where the sun is all the way out to Jupiter. Okay, that's how big this, this fellow is. He's, he's a monster. Okay? He's twice the size, I said, twice the size of the Earth's orbit. Alright. So now we get a little bit higher. So as the fellow, he says, he said, if the Earth was a golf ball, he would have to, we would have to put six Empire State Buildings on top of each other, and then the golf ball at the bottom, and that's how tall that star would be in comparison to the Earth. All right, so that's a that's a pretty big star. So just imagine that. Try and imagine the Earth, and then six Empire State Buildings all up stacked on each other, and then the golf ball at the bottom, and then somewhere on there is you and me. Somewhere on there is you and me. Okay, because we're on this Earth. We can fit, if, if Earth was a golf ball, we could fit 262 trillion Earths into Betelgeuse. And that's a big number. You're like, yeah, that means nothing to me. Well, that's apparently enough golf balls to fill the Superdome, which is two slides from here. This one, sorry. That building, with that many people, if Earth was a golf ball and Betelgeuse, we would put golf balls in it, We'd fill that stadium 3,000 times. That's how big that one is. All right? Breath of God. Breathe that out. Amos 5.8 says, Seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night and calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. This happens to be the star before that is one of the stars of Orion. There's seven stars in Orion and that one is one of them. That's our God. That's our God. We'll go a little further. This one is big. 
much, much bigger. So big, in fact, that it's 2.7 quadrillion Earths could fit in this star. I know you don't even have a clue what that number is, because neither did I until this fellow explained it. But apparently, it's so big, if the Earth was a golf ball, and you put two Golden Gate bridges side to side, and then you put the golf ball beside it, that's how big it is in comparison to Earth. So put the golf ball beside the Golden Gate, stack another one beside it, go far, far, far away, and look at the golf ball and try to find you. That's the size of that star. So 2.7 quadrillion Earths fit inside the star. It's way out there. Okay, well, let's get it. If you want to get an idea what 2.7 quadrillion Earths even mean, we would have to, everybody know how many millions in a billion? How many? Thousand millions in a billion. How many billions in a trillion? Thousand billions in a trillion. How many trillions in a quadrillion? Thank you. A thousand trillions in a quadrillion. So how this fellow explains it, which help, may be helpful for you, is a million seconds ago is apparently 12 days ago. Okay, so a million seconds was back on October 9th. That's if we counted a million seconds. All right? And if we wanted to go a billion seconds ago, it's a little further than that. I'm a little over a billion seconds old. Just so you know, so if someone asks you how old are you, I'm like, well, I'm a billion and a bit seconds. That's how old I am. I would go back to March 1989. So when you're talking in billions, a few years between friends and billions is not much. And when we talk billion seconds worth. So we're talking March 1989 was a billion seconds ago. So you can see the, the exponential you know, size of things here, okay? So if we want to go a trillion seconds ago, we're going to have to make a pretty big leap, uh, a fairly s- substantial leap. In fact, we'll, we'll shoot far beyond humanity and beyond and we'll go back to about 29,700 BC is a trillion seconds ago so the exponential aspect is incredible so now when you say 30 million uh, 30 uh, sorry 1 1 quadrillion seconds that gets really 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 large and that jumps for sake of time even more and that goes to 30 million years ago was 1 quadrillion seconds so when i say 2.7 quadrillion Earth in this star, we're talking huge on God's level. <laughs> okay? Huge. And that's not even, this one called Musefi is not even the biggest. In fact, the next one that this gentleman came out, uh, explained was Canis Majoris, and that looks like this, and he's in the night sky, and he actually isn't even the biggest one. Now there's bigger one, there's a bigger one that they have found, but not by much. And so, if the Earth was a golf ball, we would put this guy at the bottom of Mount Everest and then you could climb to the top and look for it and try and find it and see if you could then find you on the golf ball as you're 29,000 feet up in the air on top of the mountain just to give you a perspective between Canis Majoris and our Earth. All right? And you can fit seven quadrillion Earths in Canis Majoris and it's big enough if we Earth was a golf ball to cover all of Texas with golf balls. 22 inches deep. It's a very massive, massive star. And if you just kind of prep the little video clip, uh, I'll just give you a little bit of perspective shift and take three minutes out of your evening to give you an idea of the size of our God. All right? And just make, just keep the audio maybe at a half pace. Go ahead and hit play, please, and make sure that the uh, audience is green. Nope, you need the green. Click the audience button there at the top. Yep, right there. Not the audience. Thank you. 
here we are. Bring your audio, computer audio up just a little more. All right, so we have just a little perspective to take all those big honking numbers that I expressed in a very short period of time and just bring that audio down just a little bit for me so we're not over-talking it. Here's our moon. And just to give you an idea of, you know, we're going to shift through a handful, well, a, quite a large handful of, of uh, planets and stars as we work through our solar system. And I want you to continue to think about And this is breathed out of the breath, of the breath of God. Here's our Earth. When you look at the Earth compared to all these other uh, planets and stars, the Earth is an incredible-looking planet. Uh, it's, it's, it is amazing. And so here we are. We're going to creep through our, our, our system. We're not even out of our solar system yet, and I want you to try and keep an eyeball on the far left of the screen because that's where the Earth was and will continue to try and be as we pull out our size perspective. So... At the top, we've got the size. And so here we go. I don't know if you're even going to be able to see it, but way somewhere way down there is going to be the teeny-weeny Earth. And here's our sun. So now you get an idea of the difference in our sun. But the sun, as we stated, was the smallest of all of these. So we work our way through some of these larger stars. I, I know way over on that far side, this is another star in, in Orion. And here is... Uh, um, Iron tears, and then the next one will be the Betelgeuse uh, star, as you can see how large it is compared to the far side. Here's Canis Majoris, very large. This is now the largest star known to man thus far. But now we're going to take a step out of just the stars, and I know somewhere far down there is this, well, you couldn't even put a pixel to even make uh, the Earth. So we're in a light day, and we're going to creep out into time, into space, into light days. We haven't reached light years yet. Because, of course, there's more than just a star. God breathed billions of stars and breathed galaxies into existence. So when we look, you can talk about one star, but let's just extrapolate that into, into, the, into the millions and billions. And here we are now in just a couple of light years as we try and work our way somewhat out of the system into our galaxy. Somewhere far, 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 far in there is our Earth, and here we are with our galaxy, the Milky Way. That's one galaxy. That's just one. Here's the closest one to us. He's, uh, we're, in the, we're in the tens of thousands of light years, and now this is from the Hubble Deep Field Images. Millions of galaxies. That's our God. So when you try and limit what he can do for you or put a tap on how far his grace can extend in your life, you just remember that and breath that was breathed because your scripture says he telleth the number of the stars and he calleth them all by name. Incredible. 
Because he knows all of those by name. If he knows all of those by name, somewhere on this golf ball that you are finding yourself, he also knows your name. And he knows your trouble. He knows your issues. He knows your complexes. He knows your needs. He knows what you need healing for. He knows it all. But he told Paul, he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And that scripture applies to you. That God says to you, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Amen. We learn, we get pretty quick how we, we are in the grand scheme of things. And which to me only makes it that much more incredible. His grace incredible that us little teeny weeny specks of nothing that I can't even, couldn't even find myself in a microscope in that size and vastness of our, of the galaxies. And God could drill with his eye all the way down. He actually made that and then made himself like me and you. That's greatness. When he could come down and condescend after making all of that and become human to take our sin. How great is our God. Amen. Amen. Musicians, why don't you come? We'll just wrap it up right, right here. I was thinking just as they come, the thing, what I was, what brought the thought a little bit was I was pondering the sovereignty of God. And just his sovereign grace, but Abraham talks about his sovereign grace. How his saw, he said his sovereign grace, this God that created that, he's sovereign. And you say, well, what is sovereign? Sovereign, you can do whatever you want, but Abraham says, he says, sovereign can do whatever it wants. It's so standalone, it doesn't, it doesn't owe nothing to nobody. Nobody can tell them or who, whatever to do if they're sovereign. It, it, they don't, they don't, they're not responsible to nothing. They're all on their own. Everything make their decisions, nothing. And you say, well, I'm pretty sovereign. No, you're not. You just go out and say a few things in this current day and age and you find out pretty quickly you ain't sovereign. <laughs> you can say it, but you got major consequences. You can do it and you got major consequences. Sovereign, God, he can do whatever he wants. Ain't no consequences to him. He does whatever he desires. Sovereign grace is from a sovereign one. Sovereign grace from a sovereign one. Listen to this now. He says, sovereign grace can only be given by one that's sovereign. Okay? He can give gra- sovereign grace. Therefore, uh, therefore, being sovereign, grace don't have to ask nobody. It don't have to. It does what it wants. He said, isn't that wonderful? It don't have to ask, can I do this? Or should I do this? Or can I? Or must I? Will I? Nope. He said, it doesn't. Grace is sovereign, therefore he can save the vilest, he can save the worst, he can save the impurest, he can save the immoralist, he can heal the sickest. He says, hallelujah! Amen! He says, he can save a wretch like me, and he did. Why is it? Grace. William Branham, a drunkard son, put your name there, and whatever you are, it doesn't really matter, because grace is sovereign, and it can do whatever it wants, and it can save the wretchedest, the vilest, the horriblest, and it can save even me, and even you. Amen? That sovereign grace, it has to ask nobody nothing. Nobody nothing. It owes nothing to nobody. That sovereign grace. From a sovereign God, because only a sovereign one can give sovereign grace. Amen. My, I had the terms of grace. The, I won't even go. I can't even go into it all. I'll leave one last quote, and we're going to sing "How Great Is Our God Indeed," because that is the song that kept coming to my mind. 
God and His grace created an impenetrable. <laughs> Google, or my word program said it's not even a word. Unpenetrable veil of blood. <laughs> Meaning, it couldn't penetrate it. Nothing can penetrate through the veil of blood. But around talked about that bumper. That bumper of blood. Nothing can penetrate through that. And when I was reading the, the quote, I just felt I wanted to end on. But Abraham talks about, and he ends with a line. And it will, well, I want to read it. Because he goes, when we think about that little bumper of blood around the earth, and he had that vision, and his, his, he would do, his sins would go and hit that bumper of blood. And he said, is that my sin? Is that my sin doing that? And he, could, he saw that hitting Jesus. And he said, oh Lord, forgive me. He said he reached out and reached into his side, took a book, and he wrote on it. He was forgiven. And I was thinking about that, how nothing can penetrate through that when you have that blood covering you. When you have been saved by grace, that covers all sin. And when God looks through that blood, he's not even, he's not seeing. He's seeing completely white as snow. He doesn't see the sin. He sees the blood. That's why the blood is so precious because it covers all sin. Amen. Brother Branham talks about a little story. He says, it's just a little fiction story. But under the law, that little old mother horse had a little colt, a colt, and he was a mule. Here's all ears broken down and his knees knocked, little cross-eyed, horrible looking mule. Well, that mule, he could look at himself and say, oh my. When the master comes out, he's going to kill me. Just a horrible looking animal. He wouldn't feed me. I'm not worthy to live. Look at me, what a horrible looking mess I am. And you could be looking at your life and say, wow, what a horrible looking mess I am. I'm in sin or I'm in a situation and it's a horrible mess. Oh, but if the mother could speak back to that little fella, she'd say, wait a minute, honey. You can live because you're my first. You have a birthright. Now, when the master comes out, he's going to see you in all your condition. And he has to go back and get a lamb without a blemish on it and kill it so that that crippled up looking mule can live. You see, the priest never seen the mule. He saw the lamb. It wasn't whether the mule was perfect. It had to be a perfect lamb. Oh, he goes, I hope you see it. It isn't whether you're good enough. It isn't whether uh, good enough to be a Christian or not. It's whether he was good enough. It's God accepted him and his blood makes an atonement. God don't see you. He sees the lamb. He sees the lamb. He doesn't, he's not even seeing you. He's looking at the sacrifice. The sacrifice is what makes you perfect. That's why God said, be ye therefore perfect. He knew you can't be perfect, but through him, when he sees the lamb and he sees the blood, he says, you're perfect because I see my atonement. Amen. He sees the lamb. And in that, he sees perfection. You say, really? In my situation? Mm -hmm. Because that God is that great that can reach down his hand down to the most wretchedest of situations and the vilest of sinners and he sees the lamb amen don't you let the devil condemn you fill you with guilt or anything because you just remember breath and say sorry devil my god is too great his grace is too great and i've got a blood 
that covers me as a bumper. And he sees the lamb, not my sin. Let's stand. Amen. The splendor of a king. I want you to think about think about those galaxies when you think a king in all of his splendor, in all his majesty, sitting on his throne. I can't even imagine what his throne looks like as he sat there and ushered out the creation of this world. This is our king. This is our king that gave, came and came down to our level, our tiny little level, and said, my grace is sufficient for you. The splendor of a king oh, tries to hide and trembles 
at his voice. Of course it would, because his breath issued out all the stars in the galaxy. Darkness can't, doesn't even want to see it. Can't even want to hear it. And so does Satan and the darkness that he tries. He can't even handle the voice of God when he speaks in your life. He trembles at his voice. Amen? Let's sing that verse again. Oh, the splendor of the my God. That's how personal. You need to sing that song. How great is my God? Because it's his grace that saved you tonight. Amen. I was, I've been singing that. I wish I had the choir and I wish I had the voice because I really wanted to sing Jesus drop the charges, but that's going to be a song for when we're all back together again. <laughs> because at Calvary, I heard him say, see the words right here. Does everybody know this song? Good. We're going to sing it. Do you know this song? Good. We're going to sing it. Amen. You're going to sing with me and back at me because I hope some of you know the choir parts. Here we go. It's Wednesday night. We can do these things, right? Is that too high? I was guilty of all the
judgment because he dropped him at Calvary. Case dismissed. Amen. Wow. I love him. I love him. I love to tell him that. Amen. Well, we'll dismiss and you just keep on singing. Case dismissed. Saved by grace. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I've enjoyed your presence tonight. I've enjoyed just speaking about you. Lord, that at Calvary, we heard him say, case dismissed. Because we're saved by grace through our faith in the atonement of Calvary. Lord, in its impact, its potency, everything, Lord, has not diminished one little bit from the moment that it happened to now. The blood still atones, Lord. And we're so thankful Lord, go with us. May we leave this little building tonight. May each one that's sitting in front of the little screen tonight. Lord, I was just thinking of all the different ones and the names and the families were going through my mind. Lord Jesus, may they have sung with all their heart tonight as well. May they have listened, Lord, and may they can also say as they go to their little bedrooms and say, case dismissed, saved by grace. Lord, we're a body and we're a family, Lord. We're united together as we stand in these different times, Lord. Help us. And may your grace just continue to lift us up. For your scripture says, Lord, and we'll hold it to our hearts. Your grace is sufficient for me. Bless your people now, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, go with him now. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. (laughs) Just as much as your case was. (laughs) Amen. Have a wonderful drive home. Safely. God bless you, everyone at your home. Have a good night's rest. See you on Sunday, Lord willing. God bless you.